I am blessed. I am blessed. I used to hear this a lot when I was in seminary in Washington, D.C. I went to Wesley Theological Seminary in a beautiful part of that city. Big trees, stately homes on the campus of American University. And Wesley Seminary had a wide diversity of uh, students from various denominations and ethnicities and nationalities. Sometimes I would ask a friend of mine, Kimberly, an an African-American United Methodist woman preparing for ministry uh, who lived in Baltimore City, in, in, in Baltimore. How are you doing? How are things going? And she'd always begin with, I am blessed. Then she'd talk about school, and she'd talk about the challenges confronting her neighborhood, and we'd talk about the role her church played in making things better. She had real challenges. She lived in a part of the city that was tough. But she always began. She'd always answer, I am blessed. From there, she'd talk Always the foundation, the starting point. I am blessed. I learned a lot from her. Primarily, I I learned from her that she was not going to be defined by the limitations around her. But she was going to be defined by her deepest faith. Her spirit was infectious. Her optimism through the roof. Her faith was contagious. God loves human beings. God loves the world. Not ideal humans, but humans as they are. Not an ideal world, but the real world. What we might walk away from, what we find repulsive, what we shrink back from with pain and hostility, namely real human beings, the real world, This is for God the ground of unfathomable love. Unfathomable love. If we are walking around expressing God, then we are expressing the ground of unfathomable love. This unfathomable love was her source and her center and her destiny. She was a gifted minister, though she had not yet been ordained. And, you know, sometimes I would try to connect with her by, like, complimenting her. You know how you sometimes are like, oh, like me, I'll say really nice things about you. You know, I'll say how wonderful you are, you know. I try to connect. She would have nothing of it. She would have no part of that. She was not going to go for that. I'd say, you're so good at this. No one will ever know all the way that you give, the small ways you help, the big ways. She'd just say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm doing my little part. I don't need recognition or praise for any of it. The God of life has given me life. The God of grace has given me grace, she'd say. And I'm going to live in gratitude and generosity in response If we are expressing God, if we're walking around God expressions, we're expressing life 
and grace and gratitude and generosity. But you're extraordinary, I'd say. Not at all. Are you kidding? Come to Baltimore. Come to Washington Village or Seton Hall. I'll show you extraordinary. I'll show you people living with such difficulty and persevering. I'll show you resilience. It's not me. I'm ordinary. I've decided to go big by going small. I've decided to go big by going small. Richard Rohr says, It's a gift to joyfully recognize and accept our own smallness and ordinariness. Then you are free. There's nothing to live up to. There's nothing to prove. Nothing to protect. Such freedom is a great description of spiritual maturity. Because once you know that your I, not your I, but your I, you know, your personhood, is great and one with God, you can ironically be quite content with small and ordinary. No grandstanding is necessary. Any question of your own importance or dignity has already been resolved once and for all by your membership in the human family. So I said to her, you decided to go big by going small. What does that, what does that mean? Look, I'm not in this to gain recognition, to be something. I'm not trying to be somebody. I know I'm already somebody. When I'm with others who are told they don't count, I send the message to them that they are somebody, that God's love is in them no matter what. I don't care if anyone ever knows how I engage the man with AIDS, the prostitute who calls me Rev, the child who laughs with me and makes me laugh. I do my prayer. I find that God gives me compassion. I'm not even religious with these people. I sometimes feed them or invite them to my table. I sometimes listen to them. I sometimes hold their hand. It's not so much what I do. And anything I do, I attribute to the God who found me in my brokenness and helped me through. She knew deep in her spirit the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, I discovered later, and I'm just still discovering right up to this moment that it is only by living completely in this world that one learns to have faith. One must completely abandon any attempt to make something of oneself, whether it be a saint or a converted sinner or a church person, a righteous one or an unrighteous one, a sick man or a healthy one. By this worldliness, I mean living unreservedly in life's duties, problems, successes, and failures, experiences, and perplexities. Is anyone else perplexed? I can't be the only one, right? Me too. Amen, right? It just Sometimes it's perplexing. And you keep walking. In so doing, Bonhoeffer says, we throw ourselves completely into the arms of God, taking seriously not our own sufferings, but those of God and the world. That, I think, is faith. And this is how one becomes human. How can success make us arrogant or failure lead us astray when we share in God's life in this way? That's abundance for me. That's prosperity for me. 
She said to me one day, somehow, Roger, once a day, somehow, Baltimore City becomes Beulah. Beulah? Beulah. Beulah. You know what I mean? And I said, no, I don't know what you mean. What are you talking about? What's Beulah? She said, when the Israelites returned from exile, everything around them was broken. Everything was destroyed. Everything looked hopeless. Everything looked rough. How are we going to feed ourselves? How are we going to manage? They could hardly imagine a future in that place. But Isaiah says that God says to them, I'll give you a new name. You'll no longer be called deserted or desolate, but you'll be called Beulah, the one God delights in. The land will be your beloved. The people will be my joy and my delight. I'll give you a new name. Not desolate, not deserted, but abundant, prosperous, blessed. This is a profound image of prosperity in the Hebrew scriptures. This is a picture of physical health, mental health, spiritual well-being. When Charles Fillmore confronted this word as he was writing his reference library on the Bible, he saw that the metaphysical reality of this word, Beulah, was perfect union with the divine, perfect union with the indwelling I am, perfect union with the Christ consciousness at the heart of all creation. They took a look around, and what did they see? They felt abandoned. They felt hopeless. They felt like maybe there was no way through. And what did God see? Abundance, prosperity, riches, blessing, perfect union with the indwelling I am. Properly understood, this sense of Beulah is the goal of all religious expression. Health and well-being for all creation. No matter their station in life, no matter where they were born or what their status, it is closely tied to that word shalom, peace, wholeness, health, well-being. This way of looking is the place where large dreams are entertained. Songs are sung, boundaries are crossed, hurt is noticed, the weak are honored, everyone matters, everyone matters, everyone matters. So how'd she do this? How did my friend Kimberly, in the midst of so much stress and difficulty, always answer with, I am blessed? How did she see Beulah in those parts of Baltimore City? And I just want to suggest a couple of things we can learn from her witness. First, she learned to pray. She knew how to pray. She knew how to go into that silence and that goodness at the heart of her being and listen and talk and cry and hear and gain wisdom and gain perspective and be in touch with that divine union at her core. And then she looked out into all of creation and she saw there she saw there a road map. She saw a mirror. When she looked at it, 
She saw the beauty there and the blessing there. She looked at creation and all of its reality. And third, when she saw there the reality, she came to see that it was sacred, that it was like communion, that it was um, a sacrament. She went inside, she looked around, she saw beauty in both places, she saw a way forward, and in engaging both the inside and the outside, where shadow and mystery and paradox were confronted and accepted, where truth was encountered, she saw there a sacrament. So, all around her, all around her, she saw blessings. So when I asked her, how are things? How else would she respond? I am blessed. The world is blessed. You are blessed, and we are blessed. May it be so for all of you. God bless you, friends.